You're listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. Greetings, brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. He is risen. My first message in this series on parenting was a meditation on the sheer wonder of being a parent. I was seeking to remind my fellow parents of the unspeakable privilege of our calling, particularly in light of the fact that the gift of procreation, as we call it, uh, number one, isn't given to everyone, number two, is an utter mystery in itself, and number three, yet, it is, along with parental nurture, at the very center of Christ's kingdom mission in the world. I'm hopeful that all of that was very encouraging and even refreshing to my listeners. But a sense of privilege, all by itself, could lead to a sense of elitism. My aim today is to underscore the weighty responsibilities that come with those privileges. Folks, there are some sobering realities that lie behind our calling as parents that ought never be far from our minds and which should keep us earnest and focused in our parenting. So if my last message was intended to be refreshing to parents, this one intends to be more bracing. Indeed, those of you who are listening who are not actively involved in parenting may be tempted to think after this episode, wow, glad that's not me right now. So that's what's ahead if you choose to listen on. Let me say at the outset that I am aware that any parent taking the time to listen to a podcast on Christian parenting is, in fact, showing a considerable sense of responsibility, Uh, even more so if there's any thought of listening to a whole series on parenting. So I will assume that in bringing this subject up, I am preaching to the choir. You already take seriously your job as a mom or a dad. But folks, let's ask the question today, why? Why do we rightly take our job as parents so seriously? Now, let's not leave the answer to that question merely to our uh, intuition. Can we set before ourselves biblical reasons for taking being a dad and a mom so seriously? As Christian parents, our sense of responsibility ought to be defined by biblical realities. Uh, Last time I mentioned a sermon from a 19th century American Presbyterian that had a profound influence on me at the outset of my pastoral and parental ministry, both. Uh, The title of the sermon was Parental Responsibility, and it was delivered by Robert Dabney. Now, uh, Dabney's actually meditating on both privileges and responsibilities that come with parenting, and so that's why I began to quote him last week, talking about the privileges of parenting. But it's pretty clear, if you do read his sermon, that his primary objective is to give what we would call today a wake-up call to irresponsible parents. And I'll just say, by modern standards, this sermon is a pretty stiff drink. Dabney pulls no punches. I think people reading it today would say, oh, this is where the expression hellfire and brimstone preaching came from. Now, I happen to think that uh, the offended sensibilities of some uh, in our day, going back to the 19th century and reading some of the sermons of our fathers, 
has a lot to do with our culture of coddling, and that's probably a subject for another day. But uh, Dabney makes some basic points that are utterly undeniable, and I'm going to make them today in my own words, but quoting uh, a few key parts of this sermon, and I am in the process going to be trying to rescue a good sermon from what otherwise might be the obscurity that it falls into. So three reasons, my friends, to take the job of parenting so seriously if you're a Christian. Number one, parents should remember that they have brought into this world a soul that will live forever in heaven or in hell. Now, I said last time that that reality is a cause for wonder and gratitude and a sense of privilege. Remember, uh, God hasn't granted this privilege to angels for all the other privileges they have of being able to procreate their race. It's a high privilege indeed that parents have, but there's also something about it that should be a little fearful as well. Um, Folks, we know that human life, ours, our children's, is an everlasting thing. So what we mean by that is uh, even physical death does not bring an end to the life of the soul. The soul is immortal. It cannot die. And uh, on a day that is coming, even the bodies of all who have ever lived will be reunited with their souls, and they will live forever following that great day of resurrection and final judgment. And this part is crucial. As Christians, it's fundamental to our biblical worldview that this immortal existence will be carried out after death in one of two places, heaven or hell. Uh, Those are the two destinies of every human being. And parents who've brought into the world another immortal soul are rightly aware that soul is either heaven-bound or hell-bound. Now, Dabney puts this in a very arresting way, and uh, admittedly in some 19th century style prose. Here's how he puts it. It is the mysterious propagation of a rational soul that fills the reflecting mind with awe. The parent looks upon the tender face, which answers to his caress with an infant smile. He should see beneath that smile an immortal spark, which he has kindled, but can never quench. It must grow, for weal or for woe, it cannot be arrested. Just now it was not. The parents have mysteriously brought it from darkness and nothing. There is no power beneath God's throne that can remand it back to nothing, should existence prove a curse. Yes, the parents have lighted there an everlasting lamp, which must burn on when the sun shall have been turned into darkness and the moon into blood, either with the glory of heaven or the lurid flame of despair. You think it indelicate to speak this way, folks? Well, as we would say nowadays, it's the gospel truth. And any parent who's embraced that gospel feels it keenly. This is the most fundamental biblical reality that lends urgency to our parental calling. Parents, we're responsible for bringing into the world human beings who will never die. They will live forever 
in heaven or in hell. Now, that, of course, is true of every mortal that we meet. And it can be overwhelming in other contexts as well. Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you're people watching, just asking the question of all these people coming and going, you do not know, you've never met, how many of them are headed for heaven? How many of them are headed for hell? God's not made you responsible for all those human beings, but it is different with your children. And as we'll be seeing, he's tasked you with leading your children to their Savior, the Lord Jesus, and towards heaven. Moses would say it, he's tasked you with teaching your children the fear of the Lord. Paul would say it, he's tasked you with bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And folks, he's given us wonderful promises and powerful helps to complete that task. We'll be returning to them in this series. But the point now is that there's a lot at stake in our parenting. Eternity itself can fairly be said to be at stake. And that's the first and most basic thing that leads a great deal of weight to our sense of responsibility as Christians. You know, sometimes you hear people in our society uh, say a word against parenting along these lines. Oh, I could never bring a child into this world in the state that it's in. Now, aside from whether the world that they are uh, living in is really all that bad, I do find it ironic that you typically hear that sentiment from people who live in the first world where life is far from as bad as it uh, could otherwise be. Aside from that, the Christian answer to that sentiment, I would suggest, should be something along these lines. Someone says, I could never bring a child into this world in the state that it's in. We should say, you know what? You don't know the half of it. Parents bring their children into more than this world. They bring them into an existence that will continue in the world to come. And that is what fires our God-given ambition to bring our children to the Lord and to the uh, heaven of the Lord. That's what Christian parents aspire to, to ready their children, not just for this life, but for the life to come. And that's what calls for a high sense of responsibility in our parenting. That's the first of three considerations. That we have brought into this world a soul that will live forever in heaven or in hell. Number two, parents should remember that they themselves have imparted to their children a sinful nature and the liability to judgment that comes with that. Now, uh, there's deep theology here. Hopefully it's familiar to many of my listeners. Uh, Before Adam and Eve had sinned, think about it, they could have expected to bear children as morally upright as themselves. (laughs) Had they not sinned, parenting would have been a breeze because their children would have been born like they were created, holy, harmless, and undefiled, as our catechism puts it. But the theology of Romans 5, 1 Corinthians 15, among other portions of God's Word, is that when Adam fell into sin, it not only changed him, he became a man with a sinful nature, he became a sinner, but it also ensured that all of his descendants would be born sinners. That is, we inherit a sinful nature from Adam through our human parents. The word for that, the theological term for that, is original sin. 
Now, there was an early heretic in the church that denied that children inherited a sin nature from their parents. His name was Pelagius. He believed that every child born into this world was as sinless as Adam and Eve at their creation. Uh, Pelagius believed they were subject to influence and temptation as Adam was, but uh, he believed that they they were in no way disposed towards sin. Now, if I can speak as a parent here, I know Pelagius was a heretic, but I could wish that he were right. I could wish that I came into this world and that my children came into this world with, as a kind of blank moral slate. It surely would make parenting a whole lot easier. But of course, many of you will know St. Augustine, one of the greatest of all the church fathers, pointed out that Pelagius had too small a view of sin, which inevitably led him to too small a view of God's grace towards sinners. Augustine taught us we don't just commit sin as human beings. We are born with a sinful nature because of a relationship God has established between us and our first parent, Adam. That means we don't just need forgiveness for individual sins. We need a transforming, gracious work of God in our hearts. We need a new record based on Christ's work. We need a new heart and life by means of the Holy Spirit's work in us. So that's what's reflected, that deep theology, that important theology that parents all need to be very clear about. That's reflected in the vow that we administer to parents at Resurrection Presbyterian when they present their children for baptism. That vow in the form of a question goes like this. Do you acknowledge that although our children are sinful from the time of conception and therefore are subject to condemnation, They are holy in Christ, and as children of the covenant are to be baptized. Now, the second part of that question, the covenant theology of the second part of that question, we will return to, Lord willing. For now, the first part of it is our consideration. The name for it is original sin. Every one of us is conceived with a sinful nature and therefore subject to condemnation. That's how we come into existence sinful and deserving of God's judgment. David says that in Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. For our purposes today, we're bringing that uh, awareness back before our eyes because we're asking this question, how did Johnny or Susie, or whatever your child's name is, come by that sin nature? And here's the sobering answer that every parent has to give. I gave it to him. It's not unlike the genetic defects that uh, some parents unknowingly uh, pass on to their children, the uh, liability to certain uh, physiological problems or disease. But this is so much worse because the sin nature that our children inherit through us from Adam makes our children liable to God's judgment. Uh, We all would do it otherwise if we could, but that's impossible. Ever since Adam's fall, in the words of Genesis, we bear children in our own likeness, which is to say we bear children with our own sin nature. So here's the point that Dabney draws our attention to. Our parental responsibility is especially weighty 
because it involves using the means God has given us to deliver our children from the very danger that we have passed on to them. We've given to them uh, inevitably. Dabney again puts it uh, this way. These then are the two facts which give so unspeakable a solemnity to the parent's relation to his children. First, he has conferred on them, unasked, the endowment of an endless responsible existence. And second, he has also been the instrument, if unwilling, yet the sole instrument of conveying to this new existence the taint of original sin and guilt. Then Dabney asked the question, can the human mind conceive a motive more tender, more dreadful, more urgent, prompting a parent to seek for the beloved souls he has poisoned, the aid of the great physician? And if this parent professes to have felt his blessed skill in his own soul, that is, the experience of the grace of the gospel, to be rejoicing in the divine cure that he has received and is yet callous to the ruin he has transmitted to his own child, he is a monster with a heart harder than a wild beast's. Now, I don't know about you, I get a pretty big kick out of seeing my likeness in my kids, except when I see that they have inherited my sin. Younger parents who may be listening, your children are are very young, maybe just have uh, the firstborn uh, baby in your house. This is coming for you. Uh, It's not just that your kids have an nose like yours or a smile like your wife's or that they'll be picking up mannerisms by way of imitation of the both of you, Uh, eventually you're going to see, with some chagrin, your own sin patterns in them. Uh, They not only receive our sin nature uh, just by being conceived and born of us, but they also come under the influence of our ongoing indwelling sin, though we are the children of God. And what I think Dabney is trying to um, arrest us with is the reality that if we do nothing as Christian parents, we've already done a world of harm to our children. We've been the means by which they've received a sinful nature. So this should be a very motivating thing. It should be that which causes us to lay hold of the provision that God has made for sin in the gospel, not just for ourselves, but for our children. And all the instruction that we're going to be talking about in this series uh, that the Scripture gives regard to Christian parenting is made so much more urgent because we have not just given our children this life that is everlasting. We've given them a sin nature that makes them liable to God's judgment. So that's the second parents should remember that they themselves have imparted to their children a sin nature and liability to judgment. That is a reason to be so serious about our calling. And thirdly, and lastly, parents should remember that they've been given by God an unparalleled influence upon their children for good or for ill. I quoted Dabney last time about the God-like capacity of parents 
as in all the mystery of it, they're the means of bringing eternal souls into existence. It's a high privilege indeed. But there's another way God has given to parents a prerogative that is close to his own prerogatives as God. And it is in the unparalleled influence that parents have over their children. This too is something wonderful, but it's also very weighty and should be sobering to parents. Listen carefully. By God's own design, the personal influence of parents over their children is ordinarily the most formative influence of all that they will encounter in life. No other personal influence on the planet is so profound. There are other influences, and God uses them powerfully, to be sure. Siblings, friends, pastors and elders, other spiritual mentors, eventually spouses, as God provides. But folks, the influence of parents is unparalleled for some very obvious reasons. It begins at the very dawn of life. Infants in those first and second and third years, even developmental psychology tells us how powerfully they're shaped by the circumstances of those very beginning days, weeks, and months of their lives. Uh, The whole season of childhood and a person's life is of profound shaping influence. Even secular psychologists recognize those profound effects of childhood experience and how perspective and character is set ordinarily in human beings uh, in their early years. Later in this series, God helping me, I'm going to be giving counsel about how to preserve the primacy of parental influence because uh, there's many worldly influences that can be rivals uh, to the influence of mom and dad. And we're called by God to use our influence in the lives of our children to the full for the good and for the nurture of our children. For now, I'm simply saying this kind of power, this kind of influence is a weighty responsibility. Listen to how Dabby puts that. Uh, You may think it dramatic. I ask you uh, if it's in fact truth, fairly put. He says it this way. All men who understand liberty believe that spiritual freedom, the prerogative of the immortal mind to think for itself in obedience to the law of conscience laid upon by its maker, to judge its own duty, to select its own moral and religious opinions, and to serve God according to its own understanding of his will, this is the cornerstone of all other liberty and the most precious of all. Then Dabney goes on to say, well, the parent has power almost to invade this sacred liberty of the soul. It is made both his privilege and his duty to impose the principles and the creed which he has sincerely adopted as the truth for himself upon the spirit of his child. Apparently, when Dabney wrote that, he was aware that this would sit badly with some as he preached this sermon. And so he continues, Some men, it is known, vainly prate of a supposed obligation to leave the minds of their children independent and, quote, unbiased until they are mature enough to judge and choose for themselves. But a moment's thought 
shows that this is as unlawful as impossible. No man can avoid impressing his own practical principles on his child. If he refrains from words, he does it inevitably by his example. He goes on to say, One might as well speak of immersing an open vessel in the ocean and having it remain empty as of having a youthful soul to grow up in society, quote, unbiased, until it is qualified to elect its own creed most wisely. The only alternative left the parent is either to bias the child's soul himself for God and the truth, or to see it fatally biased by other influences against both. What is the right choice? Dabney goes on to make it crystal clear. The scriptures here are positive. The parent is commanded to, quote, train up the child in the way he should go. Which is that way? He must, quote, bring up the child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then Dabney says this, There is no power beneath the skies, authorized by God, that is so far-reaching, so near the prerogatives of God himself, and for that reason there is none so solemnly responsible. Folks, this voice from another century is calling parents to realize the tremendous influence they have in their children's lives and the responsibility to wield that influence for the good. He's taking aim quite clearly at something seen in every generation. Parents who are delinquent in the exercise of this awesome influence for good in children's lives. Listen to how he brings that point home in particular. Dabney again. When God has clothed you, O parent, with such powers, with results so beneficent and glorious, and has thus made you so nearly a God to your own children, do you suppose that you can neglect or pervert them without being held to a dire account? It were better for that man that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. You'll recognize that Danny's quoting our Lord as he talks about um, the rightful fate of those who lead even a little one uh, away from the Lord. But folks, I'm sure you see by now why I called this sermon by Robert Dabney a stiff drink. But I want to say to you, there's a lot of parents in our society and in the broader church that need exactly this stiff drink. Apparently, that's not entirely new. Dabney was writing over 150 years ago. Folks, for all um, that we are mindful of within the church of God's gracious work and stirring the hearts of men and women towards Christian parenting, we live in an age of profound and devastating irresponsibility by parents. It begins with children being conceived in utterly irresponsible circumstances. A parenthood begun apart from any intention or preparation or even marriage and family context. This, in turn, leads many to the wickedness of abortion, which is, of course, our society's uh, solution 
uh, to irresponsible parenthood. That holocaust in our land is due to men and women throwing off their responsibility as parents. It further manifests itself, this parental responsibility of irresponsibility in our culture, in fathers especially who walk out of the lives of children and their mothers, or what's practically just as bad, remain present but utterly uninvolved in the mission of parenting. By the way, brothers, uh, we men find it easier to be irresponsible parents uh, than our wives, than the mothers of our children. It looks like kids being raised by anyone but their parents in our society. Uh, Both parents perhaps pursuing their careers in the American dream of an upper middle class income or, or even better, and leaving their children to the formative influence of friends, um, internet, the government. It looks like kids being given everything that money can buy in our affluent society, to include Ivy League educations, but given no nurture by means of personal relationship, no discipleship in the knowledge of Christ. Folks, it even looks, this societal epidemic of parental irresponsibility, it even looks like sincere Christians who just assume that if they take their kids to church, perhaps give them a home or private school education, that will be enough. All will turn out well. Only to find out years later, it took prayer and intentionality and diligence and sacrifice. Let me say again, I am confident of better things concerning my listeners. But folks, I've seen in my own heart a tendency to make other lesser things something I take more seriously than the parenting of my children. You know, I think that's what it is, actually, for us who are sincere Christian parents. It's not that we don't take parenting seriously, but it's that we are daily inclined to take any number of other things more seriously. My wife, once upon a time, before she was my wife, uh, said that she'd never marry a pastor because she saw how many of them took more seriously their pastoral calling than their calling to be a husband uh, or a father. Well, I don't think she regrets going back on her word, I'm glad to say. But she was right to be concerned about that. So this is what I want to be the bracing reminder of this particular message. Moms, dads, whatever you were thinking when you became a parent, started a family, no matter what level of maturity and responsibility was generally true of you then, you're in the army now, as Irving Berlin would have said it. Whether you volunteered or feel like you were conscripted, You now have a high and holy duty as a parent. And if you haven't already, it's time to get serious about caring for the eternal souls of those children in your care. I'm happy to observe as a pastor that becoming a parent is frequently a deeply maturing experience. The implications of what's happened sort of settles in, and boys become men, kids become adults. This is true even in the world to some degree. How much more so it it ought to be in the church? God has indeed 
tied his sovereign work in your child's heart to your own responsible use of the tools of parenting. That particular subject will be, Lord willing, the whole subject of a coming episode. But because that is so, the stakes are high. I could put it this way. The responsibility that we have as parents is as high as the privilege. I quote a lot from Dabney uh, in fearful sorts of ways. Let me quote one more time from Dabney. Less bracing, more encouraging. And this will really point us in the direction that the uh, coming series of uh, messages and parenting uh, will look like. Dabney again. Here is the parent's responsibility, and here also is the encouragement. Our God is a faithful and a righteous God. He has not laid this heavy and fearful burden upon our shoulders without the promised help to bear it. His covenant still stands to be a God to his people and their seed. Faithful effort and holy example shall be rewarded. And that word of holy writ will ever be found as much a divine promise as it is a deduction of experience that if we, quote, train up our children in the way they should go, when they are old, they shall not depart from it. By the very reason which makes parental neglect so blighting to the souls of children, parental teaching will prove an efficient help and that God who in paradise pronounced parenthood a blessing, has promised through Christ, the woman's seed, still to use this holy relationship for raising up sons unto glory. This is a worthy uh, last quote uh, from Robert Dabney about the great confidence that parents should have that God will use their diligence for the eternal good of their children. I said at the outset that a sense of privilege alone can lead to a sense of elitism. Well, we are the chosen, those given high privilege. That's a perennial temptation more broadly for those of us in the covenant community. But folks, a proper sense of responsibility, uh, even if it at times makes us feel overwhelmed, can certainly cure us of that elitism. It humbles us with a sense of our desperate neediness neediness for God and his grace. I just want to point out as I close, these first two messages in this series on Christian parenting point to the two kinds of prayer that should bathe all our parental endeavors. Prayers of thanksgiving in light of our privileges. Thank you, Lord, for entrusting such a high calling to me, but also prayers of petition in light of our responsibilities. Who am I, O Lord? Uh, Be merciful and gracious. Both those postures of prayer are fitting for those of us who've been called to the high office of parenthood. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. The Lord keep you in his grace. You've been listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice, a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina. 
If you've been blessed by today's podcast, consider sharing it with someone you know. And thank you for joining us 